on this episode of Startup the Science. Hi, I'm Mark from Molecular Quantum Solutions, and we provide a platform which allows pharma, biotech, and chemical companies to easily do virtual experiments. Why do they have to do this? Because experiments in the laboratory are very expensive. And with our software, we have shown with a pharma company that we can reduce cost and time by 90% by going through our software. Hi, Mark. Welcome to Startup the Science. We're glad to have you talking about MQS today. So let's start as we always start with an introduction. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what is MQS. Yeah. So hi, thank you for inviting me. I'm Mark Jones, started Molecular Quantum Solutions, in short, MQS with a former PhD colleague and now my co-founder colleague, uh, Lukas Boschinski. And back then, when we uh, uh, finished our PhD projects, we saw that there's potential of combining our two PhD projects to form a company with it. And uh, basically, that's how we started. And then we saw also that quantum computing is on the horizon to be, uh, be a hype technology. And uh, as with hypes, not saying that our company is a hype company, but uh, we could see that this is a possibility to, to get our company started while using this traction of uh, quantum computing in the future. Yeah, we definitely hear a lot of talk of quantum computing, and it would be great if you could explain how, how you're using the power of quantum computing in your uh, technological solution. Uh, so yeah, tell us a little bit more about the technology, where it's coming from. You mentioned that it's combining sort of two fields that you and your co-founder were, were working in, um, in your prior research. So tell us a little bit more about that. So by education, I'm a chemical engineer. And Lukas uh, is a chemical engineer, but he is also done in his bachelor and master thesis uh, studies a lot or with his education, does a lot with quantum chemistry. And uh, another term which is important to understand, uh, which is, comes from my background, is called process systems engineering. So it looks at, uh, let's take a chemical plant, like a pharma process, which uh, uh, develops a new pharma product. You usually have crystallizers in this uh, manufacturing process and you have different chemicals. You try to react with each other and then you want to separate the product from this kind of soup you have produced. And for this, you need uh, for once uh, or in general, you need uh, property prediction of chemicals. You need to model those unit operations. And for these uh, kind of models, you need those property predictions. And then in the end, you need to make an economic analysis and uh, see if you really get the yield and if your, your process is sustainable. And this is what we call process systems engineering. So it's a very multi-layer modeling exercise. And that's what chemical engineers do. Now with Lukas's work and what we focus on in the company is to, as our, let's say, market entry product is to simulate the sol solubility of a compound, let's say aspirin or ibuprofen as a model or as a role, or how, how you say, as an example compound, you wish to know how much of this compound solves in, in a mixture of different solvents. And this you can calculate with specific quantum chemistry models. And those quantum chemistry models 
are also the first models which will be able to be solved on the quantum computer because uh, you can easily map those uh, quantum chemistry models onto a quantum computer. And this is the, the area we work in. So it's chemical engineering, quantum chemistry, and developing algorithms on different kind of computational devices to, to solve such kind of complex problems. Okay, so, so you mentioned uh, you can easily map this onto quantum computing. So I want to ask you, how, how easy is this? And if it's so easy, how come uh, not everyone is doing it yet? I imagine it's, it can be that easy. Yeah, so, so with easy, I don't mean doing it easily. It's more that the, um, let's say, the nature or the architecture of a quantum computer is based on quantum physics. And you can make use of this kind of quantum physical architecture to map a quantum chemistry model onto it. So, so this is uh, where, you know, the, not the easy, it's not easy, but it, it lends itself to uh, solve those quantum chemistry models as the first models on, on a quantum computer. And, and then, of course, we have D-waves. We have different other kind of quantum computing architectures where we can solve also log logistics problems, financial problems. And here you make use of D-Wave's quantum computer uh, architecture. We use something called quantum annealing, where you also make use of a, of a physical model called the Easing model in English, or many people say Ising, but Ising was actually a PhD student of, of a professor in Hamburg. So it's when you want to pronounce it correctly, it's called easing model. And here you make use of this kind of mathematical model, which lends itself from a, not going to de now into detail, but it makes use of a kind of grid model, which makes also it possible to map financial problems, for example, on this kind of model to optimize, for example, a portfolio if you speak about yeah, portfolio optimization. Well, that would be handy. It's a very multidisciplinary approach there. Um, so taking a step back, if I, if I quote from, from your website directly, what MQS does it is provides computational tools so that research and development efforts can be done faster, can be accelerated, and that can be applied in biotech, in the chemical industry, in the pharma industry. Um, so what I understand from this is that by using your tools, uh, companies or researchers can be more efficient, can save time, first of all. I imagine they can also save resources and, and money, um, ultimately. So what kind of applications can we envision? Who would be your, your customers? What companies would come to you and say, these tools are going to improve our lives? Speaking of the pharma industry now, they have to do a lot of experiments in the laboratory. So this solubility property I've been speaking about before, uh, this takes quite some time to get the needed data from the laboratory. For example, we did a use case study with a, a pharma company where they wanted to see how well the solubility of their kind of lead pharma candidate is. So they found a promising molecule and now they want to go to the next experimental stage with it by testing it, the pharma compound uh, in, in, in a mouse. And here you need to generate a mixture uh, with the pharma compound solved in, in this mixture. And then you can go and test it on a mouse. And uh, here 
they needed around three weeks to figure out, okay, this kind of mixture is the best to solve the uh, pharma compound in. And with our software, we could reduce this time to figure out this mixture by uh, two days. And they used uh, or had three weeks in the lab to figure this out. So this, this uh, relates to a 90% reduction in time and uh, conclusively also in cost. So they can get to the mouse a little bit faster in two days. You can get to the mouse a little bit faster. And also what they then discovered is that the mouse had an allergic reaction. So they had to go back to the laboratory again and to test again. So we hope that with our software, we can also reduce those cycles of going back to the laboratory, but also uh, prevent uh, doing unnecessary uh, animal experiments in the future. Okay, well, we can get, definitely get on board that. Uh, I think everyone would agree that unnecessary animal experiments is, is a good cause. So you mentioned time reduction, obviously cost reduction. Um, there are there are also other companies and other startups promising similar effects, let's say, whether it's through quantum computing, but sometimes that might not necessarily need to be the case, but it can be other computational tools, other uh, software that they, they believe that researchers could benefit from. Can you tell us a little bit what are the benefits of your technology and why do you think they're superior to other alternatives on the market? We get that question, of course, a lot. Um, and uh, speaking of such kind of complex problems, it's hard to pin down what exactly our our value proposition is because it's so broad it's hard to also state one so i'll try it first with just trying to explain what our problems were when we were students so usually those uh, software tools we've been using as students learning with they were very old they were like kind of leg legacy software applications how you call them which only run on your laptop it's not very easy to use them and when you speak about quantum chemistry models, those are also packages which have been developed from the, uh, yes, let's say 70s on. And they're usually programmed in Fortran, so uh, very old programming languages, but also very efficient ones. And we are trying to make use of those different quantum chemistry packages and to wrap them in a new way uh, how software is used nowadays. So... As we know, we're speaking on Zoom. So Zoom is a classical, you know, cloud-based software which connects us all through a server to, to speak with each other. And the same we envision with our software that people can use those quantum chemistry models in a, pla a cloud platform. Those quantum chemistry models need to be solved on multi-core systems. So if I have a large molecule and I want to solve this molecule on my laptop, I need to wait maybe two weeks to have the results being generated when I use like those four or 10 cores on my laptop. So what I, uh, what I can do with our software, since it's running on the cloud, I can make use of the multi-core systems in the cloud, let's say 16 cores, 32 cores, and those uh, results will be uh, way faster generated. So that's one uh, advantage with our software. We, we uh, make use of the old packages, which are freely licensed, but put them into the cloud so that people can use it. Then with um, the quantum chemistry models we apply, I have been speaking about solubility, uh, we have actually improved those algorithms. So we have compared and made benchmark studies with the biggest competitors, the market leaders in the field. And we have seen that our algorithm already performs better than their algorithms. So that's also 
One thing we, we can uh, be proud of that we have already found a way to uh, tailor those algorithms to get better results than our competitors. What we also provide with our um, predictions is the so-called confidence bounds on those predictions. So you can get the uncertainty to a prediction so that somebody who uh, sees the results sees, okay, this, this prediction has this kind of confidence or uncertainty uh, and we can use this for a risk assessment, which uh, molecules we should test in the laboratory and which ones we can exclude and, and uh, do a better risk assessment. And our competitors don't have any uncertainty analysis included in their software. These are good clarifications. And I like the idea that you're not saying we're bypassing all the lab tests, right? You're just saying by providing these confidence intervals, you're also guiding people to maybe that you should still go back to the lab for some of these tests, but for some of them, we're quite certain that this is what you're going to get if you do go to the lab. So I think that's, that's a good, it's a good mix. Um, and you mentioned um, at the, the beginning of your answer that these were problems you were confronted with as students yourselves, right? When you were probably testing things in the lab and you were using other software solutions. So can you tell us a bit about how the, you, you mentioned in the beginning how the company started and how what you guys were working on, but tell us a bit about the history of the company. Were you still students when you started this or had you already graduated for a while? And how big is your company now? Who else is in the team? So the idea to start the company came in uh, during the last project conference of our EU Horizon funded, let's say, PhD project, which included 15 other PhDs or with us 15 PhDs from different universities, from Imperial College London, from RWTH Aachen, from the University of Lyon and uh, the Technical University of Denmark. And here, Lukas and me, just during the coffee break, I, I went up to Lukas and said, hey, Shouldn't we try to start a, a startup? And Lukas basically just said yes. And uh, I had also the idea during the coffee break, then uh, how should we call it? And then we came just up with molecular quantum solutions. So pretty, pretty straightforward. So uh, not too much of a great story here. What we then basically said is we need to get as fast as, as possible out of the university. We were in the final phase of our PhDs. So I was just writing my PhD thesis up. Uh, Lukas was writing his PhD thesis up. So no, not a lot of work actually on, on, on this, on NQS. Uh, then in, during the summer, we signed up for, let's say, a startup accelerator program, which was provided by the university, the Technical University of Denmark but uh, only gave us a crash course how to, how to learn about this whole startup culture. And the first pitch and the write-up of our company was pretty complicated. Our um, uh, pitch training uh, mentor said, this needs to be easier, guys. Otherwise, you know, nobody will understand it. And then we got into this kind of, yeah, how, how this whole startup culture works, where we see it also a bit critical, but sometimes it's also good to have the out view uh, or the lens from somebody outside of uh, this whole academic discipline to, to break it down and make it more simpler. And then with this kind of training, we got uh, funding from the uh, uh, Innovation Fund Denmark, which allowed us for one year to fully concentrate on, on the company. This uh, one-year program has ended this year in March. 
And we have also got an extension in this funding due to Corona. And now we are basically bootstrapping a bit, but we've grown also to around, um, yes, let's say 14 people, which include uh, software developers, uh, scientific developers. We had uh, some business developers also on board. Uh, we've seen we can also do business development ourselves with such kind of a software. It needs to, what I've decided also by reading books is that this kind of project needs to grow organically. So our goal is not to have investors too early on board, but to first establish the foundations of a company in a good way. And it looks pretty good. We signed a contract with with a university to help them with the digitalization of their uh, of their uh, laboratories. Uh, we're giving quantum computing workshops. Uh, we are hopefully launching our product in September. And this is somehow what we also envision as a software as a service company to have all those kind of revenue streams coming in. Well, that's very fast development. So congratulations, you've already done a lot so far. We hope you're enjoying this episode so far. Before we get to the rest of it, though, we'd like to take a moment to tell you about one of our AdmaCom sponsors. AdmaCom stands for the Advanced Materials Competition, and it's our two-week accelerator program for startups and advanced materials. The Investionsbank Berlin, or the IBB, is the business development bank of the federal land of Berlin and a proud sponsor of AdmaCom. With its business support, it actively contributes towards developing Berlin as a hub for business and industry. Whether you're a large company, SME, startup, or even a university or research institution, the IBB hosts a variety of programs and initiatives that support you. All you need to do is to be located here in Berlin. Learn more about the IBB and their services by visiting their website at www.ibb.de. And I'm always fascinated in this transition between academia and startup because I would imagine it is a bit of a it is a bit of a change, right? <laughs> very very different cultures. Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, and we've asked some other founders that have come on the podcast before. You mentioned in some ways maybe you're a bit critical of the whole startup culture, whatever that means, because every startup probably has a different culture. But I think being based in in Berlin, we maybe have a feeling for what what you're talking about from going to to startup events. Um, what what are the differences you're noticing between academia and and now being an entrepreneur and what are you maybe critical about and what is uh, what are some positives from from having changed environments yeah so so in academia nobody talks all the time about business development that's that's the main difference right um, but if you want to build up a sustainable product if you want to build up a sustainable business then I think this whole kind of business first approach is very important and we listen to our mentors and we really try to every time we make a new development in the product we go out again immediately to customers we've spoken before but also new customers and get that feedback so it's very business oriented in product development but we also tell ourselves we shouldn't only run after what every customer wants right so we know this kind of domain very well we've studied it we know what academia wants we know we've seen in a lot of conferences which we've participated in what what also industry wants and we can see already ahead what how how things are developing so having a phd in this domain is very valuable i think and when we come to sometimes to accelerators 
where it's not as scientifically driven uh, at some startups or uh, not as scientifically driven of the uh, by the accelerator themselves, then we uh, get a bit annoyed how things are being presented and how easily they're being presented, whereas it's so multifaceted that you can't really just break it down that simply. Things have to grow organically and people say you need to go out to the market now and, and sell your software in the most easiest way as possible. It's not always holds true, especially with a deep tech product. like Definitely ours. with a deep tech product, right? But that's probably the main difference. If you were selling, uh, I don't know, clothes, shoes, something simple that everyone could, could relate to, you probably would want to have that approach, get a big investor on very early and scale the company fast. But we see that in, in deep tech and in chemistry-based startups, especially that they need to grow organically, as you're saying, for a while before getting an investor on board. And then that investor has to be quite strategic. Ideally, maybe also have a PhD in chemistry, if possible, to fully understand what, what is going on there. Um, so you mentioned you your team is already quite big and you've made quite a lot of, of progress in a fast amount of time. What are your, your next steps and what are your wishes for the next few years? So the next steps are definitely trying to get our first beta releases out of application programming interface of ours. Then we also uh, want to sell our algorithms as uh, compiled packages so that we can more easily serve them to, to companies which don't have this whole cloud infrastructure set up yet. And then we want to, in the beginning, organically grow with what we learn through this. And, and then next year, I really hope we can stabilize some kind of uh, base revenue for the company and then go uh, for investment to scale the company. So that's the strategy for, for next year. Uh, for the years ahead, of course, we want to become a worldwide used software. Uh, we have uh, implemented also some prototype features, which are using other companies or startups tech tools, which we found find very interesting. Uh, I can't talk too much about this because otherwise we will spill our beans too early. But but uh, we we have also designed the so software in a foundational way, which makes it very extensible in the future. So it's not only one algorithm or one tool we are developing, it's a whole platform we are going to provide. And I really hope that we can become a very good platform for chemical companies to accelerate their research. We hope so too. So, so the strategy is revenue first and investment after, which uh, I think is interesting. We don't see that so much with, uh, with some startups we talk to, but I suppose that there's, there can be a difference uh, yeah, depending on the product. And we already have a revenue. So, Perfect. Yeah. First steps already made. Um, so this is the plan. If you were to think even outside the plan and make one big wish for your company, maybe even something unrealistic that won't happen in the next year, but if miracles could happen, what would that wish be? Uh, biggest wish is that we can produce a new product with our own software. So I'm uh, very into music and I always had like from way back the idea to uh, substitute polyvinyl chloride for records uh, with a substitute material. So if that's possible, I don't know, but that was always a dream to do this computationally, to figure out a new polymer for uh, vinyl records because polyvinyl chloride is not the most sustainable uh, produced polymer 
that would be an idea or some other uh, product which can help uh, make so is that something you're working on as a side project sustainable vinyl yeah we have some different ideas for for materials so we are also in a challenge right now where one of our scientific developers who also made a phd uh, has some specific uh, knowledge about um, uh, materials which can be used as coatings and uh, that's something we want to also be able to simulate with our good well with that in mind uh, we wish you the best of luck if you open a sustainable vinyl record sustainable record store in berlin i think that would be the best place apologies about the noise this is what happens when you're in a kind of a co-working space situation um and definitely let's keep in touch and we hope to see your products uh, all over the place in a few years thank you thanks for listening to start up the science if you'd like to learn more about our podcast head to www.enum.berlin slash startup the science. You can also follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. If you'd like to leave us a message or ask us or our guests any questions, send us a DM or leave us a message on our website. We would love to hear from you. Stay tuned for our next episode. Coming soon.